0: Hi, welcome back to Noise Avocation Podcast. I'm Ryan with Jeremy here as always.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: One, thanks for tuning in. We have a special guest with us here today. Uh, when you listened to the Blast Beats episode, you probably heard us talk about the Weld and Woe release that they were doing. Um, today with us, we have Barry Ann from FIED Productions, who was the... Uh, they're not a record label, but, you know, sort of a company that puts out albums that she enjoys. So they were who put out the Weld and Woe release and did the collaboration with Blast Beats on all that. Um, if you were lucky enough to get your copy because they sold out in like a couple minutes, uh, fucking awesome for you. I managed to get one. I know they were very limited, very hard to get, but stay tuned for more details on that. And... Um, mm-hmm. Jeremy, if you don't have anything else, I'm going to get into I do talking not. with her. And then, so yeah, enjoy the interview and thanks for listening. So, Barry Ann, you are in New York, New York?
2: Um right outside of the city, like about 20 minutes. Nice. So technically, no, but... Um, way city, easier.
0: Yeah. yeah, way easier to say. Well, think about all the suburbs of Detroit. There's exactly. probably like double that, at least, right. if not triple. But that's, from, see, but that's what's
1: funny when somebody's like, you know, oh, we're from where? And then we're like, dude, they're they're not from Lansing. They're from fucking Oakumis or whatever. You know, like you break it down. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's easier just to, boom.
2: Yeah, it's easier to say.
0: All right. So, anyways, we'll just kind of jump into this. Seems how like Jeremy just did. Um, (laughs) I don't know No, you're good I appreciate you doing it Um, But anyways, Barry, thanks for jumping on the show Uh, We really appreciate it And um, I wanted to say Congrats on the success of the Sellout of the Weld and Woe release that you just did With Blast Beats
2: Thank you, that was a really exciting partnership And it was a a good way To kind of introduce it And um, I really look forward to Doing more stuff with Amit.
0: Yeah, he was really cool. I've like talked to him a few times, just back and forth on Instagram, and that's how like I got the idea of interviewing him. But he seemed like he was like, "Oh, I'm not in a band. Like, do I do I have anything cool to say?" I'm like, "Dude, your store is awesome. Like, <laughs> of course you have something cool to say." I used to feel the same way
2: in terms of interviews because I the only band I'm in is Backpipe Band but I think that there is another side of it. And he definitely has a lot of great insight. Um, he's so passionate about vinyl and he's really putting himself out there and working with all these uh, distributors worldwide. And the thing that I like that he's doing is that he's really tapping into the Asian market. Cause you don't really have a lot of people trying to bring that in here cause the, the packaging is different. Uh, it's like a whole different vibe that's really cool. So it's nice to see someone kind of breaking down those international barriers.
0: Yeah, especially, like, because if you a lot of times try to go to order that yourself, like, you're paying the cost of the record plus the cost of the shipping for an international shipping, and it's usually, like, almost the price of the record.
2: If not more, yeah. um, This is something that I struggle with a lot with postage, and I just, for the record, media mail went up 20 cents on Monday, so... I'm devastated again.
0: I I noticed. I shipped something yesterday and seen that. And it seems like it goes up. It's like it was was like every year, but now it seems like it's twice a year.
2: It is twice a year, and it's absolute bullshit. But um, I didn't see international rates going up at this point. I'm afraid to look. But um, I've just been using ground, which is which actually i think that went up to you but um in terms of like international stuff that's why it's so important for labels to form partnerships and work together um i try and work a lot with a sister label in spain so our our whole customer base doesn't have to pay crazy fees so we just kind of ship each other stuff all the time and if like someone wants something from my store um i'll send it to her with like other stuff so we kind of work together to keep costs down but it's it's a
0: Ongoing battle, yeah, I personally hate paying shipping in general. like even in the states, I get salty about it just because I'm used to not paying it. and I know that sounds selfish, but I'm like, oh man, shipping, I gotta pay shipping on top, but I also understand the other side of it, how it costs them to ship. but you know if it's like a major place, you're like, man, you can't hook up free shipping on like a fifty sixty dollar order.
2: I mean, I'd love to know how. I'm sure there are some deals that can be made, but the level I'm at, I can't get around it. Like I, I take screenshots of my shipping rates all the time, and I like I use um, Pirate Ship. I'm not going to gatekeep. If you want to mail stuff internationally, if you join Pirate Ship, which is free, and you go to the chatbot and you ask for the international export rate, you get a special rate for international shipping that isn't available otherwise, and it's also free. Oh, so awesome. that's what's up. Yeah, if you want to write that down or like post it somewhere, I think it's something that everyone should know about because I was using stamps.com for since 2012 and paying like $20 a month, which you still need if you're printing individual stamps. But for the purpose of small labels and small stores, absolutely use Pirate Ship. You don't pay a penny and you get that international shipping discount automatically. You just have to ask in the chat. It's on the right side on the bottom.
0: Cool. I'll put a link to that in the episode description.
2: Please do. It's really helpful.
0: Um, so your label, Fiat Productions, before we get into like how it started, how did you link up with um, Amit from Blastbeats?
2: Uh, I put out the um, Black Birch EP, and they are shipping it from Sweden. So they asked me to send, uh, I think, 10 or 20 copies to Blast Beats. So I said, sure. And then I saw the pictures that they took and they're so beautiful. And um, I've been struggling with vinyl lately, physically, because I'm very small and vinyl is very big. And I just don't have a space for it. And it's just like a logistical nightmare. I, I hate everything about packing it. So I saw that we shared some similar values. The fact that Blackbridge trusted them with their album is really important to me because we're both uh, anti-fascist leaning and um the the photos are just gorgeous and he treats everything beautifully everything's handled with respect so i just reached out cuz i had some vinyl runs planned and i was like hey help and he said yes <laughs> so yeah i mean i just i all i did was ask that's
0: cool of him i mean he was, when it i was talked good. to him he let well, like he let me know a few days before it was announced cuz we were talking back and forth about the podcast and he said he wanted to talk about that on there and that was like my introduction to the label because I didn't come across it beforehand or if I did I didn't uh and oh. there's so, no no. I didn't mean that as like a anything it. against the label it's just there you see so much there's online so that it's like some of the stuff just blends together so if you see a release you're like oh cool by the time you scroll down three more things there's four or five more releases
1: dude I have to write and it's like overwhelming at now. times
0: oh yeah i have to write it down and i find myself screenshotting a lot and then when i go through pictures in my phone i'm like oh yeah i gotta look at that because yeah. uh, otherwise i mean i don't know you just get scatterbrained and you forget but he was talking about the weld and Woe release and the only band that i had heard been referred to as castle metal before that was obsequiae And yeah uh,
2: huge fans
0: of each other i think it's really sweet yeah and we interviewed those guys back like last year sometime um so i thought that was cool so i was like well i never heard any castle metal uh, terms because as far as i know you kind of like coined the term and then i checked out the band and then i was excited about the release but i was glad that i was on the website like as it came out because it, it did sell out in like two or three minutes or something
2: yeah, that was nuts. I, I've only had that with a few other things. Um, I think Snow Spire sold out really quick. The, um, I mean, the first one of tapes sold out really quick. And I've had like a few, very few things that, that have sold like that. The only other thing that went as quickly was um, Paul from Blood Incantation, his project Hanging Moss, that that flew. But yeah, other than that, like this was, it was such an incredible response. I was super pleased with it.
0: I, like, told a couple people about it, and then by the time they got on there, they were like, oh, it's uh, gone. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I didn't know so it was... It I've dealt with it. releases like that before where it's it's gone quickly, and when he said there was only 100, I was like, well, I don't know what type of following this band has, but I'm going to be on there, like, right at drop just in case.
2: So I just want to say that the reason that there was only 100 was because that was all I could afford. And, like, I know people accuse of labels of like limiting stuff on purpose this was not purposeful i would have oh, loved no, to do a that big
0: shit's plan. expensive
2: yeah so um that's on me that was all down to label resources or else i, I would have loved to do a bigger one we are doing a repress um it's going to be beautiful and hopefully everyone can get their hands on this one
0: It would be cool to like I bet it's gonna sell out again. Yeah, it's definitely gonna sell out again because you're gonna get everybody else is gonna buy it again. Well when you see not only that, like there's gonna be variant collectors and whatever, but the people who missed are gonna want it that much more. Yep. So they've been anticipating it. Yeah.
2: I mean I hope I hope no one's no one's annoyed with us. But we just we want everyone to get their hands on it.
0: Uh, and... people are happy to like the people that do get annoyed about that that are like oh you guys only did 100 and you said that you uh, weren't gonna do any more like why would you do more like dude you're
2: welcome let, to pay
0: let, <laughs> yeah like let this people or let this band like be able to get their fans their stuff like you shouldn't hold exclusive rights yeah to if this. you're annoyed it's they're just as annoyed
1: too i feel
2: yeah, I was, I was so anxious about it. Like, I was like, oh, is it going to sell? Is it not going to sell? And I was worried that people were going to be upset about the number of copies. But I, just as much as anyone else, would love to do like 500. But it's, I don't think people understand how expensive that is and the shipping. And then, you know, if you're not like a big established label, what if it doesn't sell? Then you're sitting on that. And that's like thousands of dollars. And I know that's, that's happened to labels bigger than mine. And it's... It's just a huge risk, and I think moving forward, I will be doing slightly bigger runs. But the ones that I have planned at this time, um, they're pretty limited just because that's all I got.
0: Well, I know other people like I have a friend that runs Barrow Horde Records, and I think I mentioned him. Oh, to your...
2: I know who that is, yeah. yes,
0: and he, um, he released uh his elevalon drums in the deepwood project and i think he like split the quantity with a label or another distributor or something like that where he got like x amount and then the label got x amount to sell or something along those lines i don't remember exactly what it was but i've heard other people doing that too where they're like you know uh Revelation gets like three hundred of these, and then the band gets two hundred. Or like we interviewed another guy that does tapes, and uh, I think like he kept a certain amount, and then the band kept a certain amount.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do a standard kind of deal. So with tapes and CDs, the band always gets twenty percent of copies, but with vinyl, it's ten percent, just because margins are so slim. Right, and uh, the band wants more. It's at cost, and like when I for Blast Beat, obviously it's at cost too, because I'm not looking to make anything. I just wanted to get out there. Um, So, yeah, I feel like when it comes to that kind of like divvying up, that's when you have huge quantities. But when it's so few, I mean, you have to think of the band first, especially if they're touring. Like, this is a touring band. So they're going to need, you know, copies for themselves, and they've earned that. So it gets, yeah, when you have a small number, it gets very difficult to kind of divide them. But I always, in my mind automatically subtract the artist copies from everything because that has to come first.
0: Yeah. As it should. Um, So going back to like the labels beginning, how did you get the idea to start this?
2: You mean the terrible idea to start this terrible waste of funds? Um, (laughs) I had another label in like 2010 called broken limbs and um, with my ex partner and it, it like got decently sized. And then I, it was just a lot to keep up with. Um, he had a really great skill set at managing artists. And I went to focus on some animal welfare stuff professionally, because that's what I've always done. And um, yeah, I just stepped away for a few years. And then I had a baby and I went back to school and I decided that I, I kind of missed just spending hundreds of dollars on <laughs> metal tapes Fuck and yeah. having my my mom and my significant other want to throw me out of their house so yeah <laughs> I was just like why not um I can do this again there's so, still so many bands that you don't know, need a platform there's never gonna be a lack of small labels to help
0: yeah I listened to you on another podcast and one thing I thought was really cool was how you mentioned that you're kinda like acting as the stepping stone for a band to move on to a larger label if they choose to. That's um, the goal again. Yeah. And I thought that was like admirable because a lot of people like if they run a label, they have a band that gets to where they're signing with Metal Blade or Century Media or something like that. Um or, you know, Columbia or whatever. The those people like out of greed, like a lot of times, they're going to be like, no, that's my band. I need this X amount to buy the you know, to buy them out of their contract and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was cool that you were like, I want to help elevate you guys just out of your appreciation for the music.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're like going to be possessive of a band. What are you doing it for that all comes down to money and clout which is stupid um i mean with my former label on this one we've had bands go on to century media and other stuff and it's awesome because i don't have the resources that those labels have so why like why would i want to pair up with a band that you know i don't have with what they need it just doesn't make any sense and it just feels really good to see them go on and be really successful and i want that for World Novo specifically because I think that, you know, they'll get to that level if they're not already. I mean, I think they are right now. So I mean that's like that's the dream. And if that happens, I consider it like a great success.
0: Yeah. Plus it kind of like gives the the band the ability to sort of learn how to navigate being on a label, like on a smaller scale, just so it kind of preps you for when you get to a larger scale.
2: Yeah, except I don't do contracts, so I feel right. it's not getting... That's the why theory. I said kind of. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not wasting my time with that, or anyone else's. And I know even the lawyer who did some stuff for me it was like, you need contracts. And no, the day I do that is definitely the day I close the label
0: up. It defeats the fucking purpose. So it's no it's, contract. It's mostly like a handshake agreement type of thing, then
2: yeah i mean it's not my music i have no rights to it they're doing me a favor by letting me share it with everyone else so it's privilege
0: so you put out tapes and vinyl do you do cds too
2: (sighs) yeah i have such a complicated relationship with cds
0: it seems like most uh, places do because it's the the lowest selling format of the three right now i'd say
2: and it's the cheapest though it's actually getting more popular um I do social media for another mainstream label, and like CDs are flying. People are collecting them, especially millennials and stuff, because like that nostalgia factor and they're the cheapest. So, what they're doing is they're buying it and then they're ripping it and listening to it wherever and then putting the CD in storage permanently. But they just want, you know, like something in their hand. So, I think a lot of fans don't understand that to get like professionally replicated CDs in the United States, the minimum is usually three to five hundred. And if you do like very small runs it's like a ridiculous amount of money so most of the cds that you're getting from labels like my size are cdrs which are totally fine except europeans hate them sometimes they don't work with the systems and then people have like this weird superiority thing with like they don't think cdrs are good enough clearly i'm biased like it's all the same i don't even have a cd player but um yeah i mean i think they both sound the same they both sound great you can make them look really beautiful and they're the least expensive to make. So um, I will do them if a band requests, but I'm never like looking to do them, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's not like your goal for that release.
2: I, I'd rather not. But if I really like a band, like um, Rutile, I just did CDs for because another label is doing tapes and I really, really wanted to work with him. So like that was totally worth it for me.
0: I, I was surprised right. by tapes being as popular as they are. Like, they sell here, but it's mostly, like, like, rock staples and stuff, like Alice Cooper and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. But it's always, like, younger kids buying it. Um, but I never, when I started seeing, like, hip-hop groups do tapes again and, like, black metal projects and hardcore bands, I was like, wow, tapes are really, like, taking off.
2: They're so cute, too.
0: Yeah, they are, well, I- like... There is a certain, like, factor to them, like, it just being a tiny little handheld release, but I don't know. I got big hands, so I feel like that about CDs, too.
2: I don't know. There's just something about them that's, like, so, like, nice and compact, and they're so small. And then, like, eventually your collection grows, and it becomes a giant mountain. But, yeah, I think it's, like, a really accessible format in terms of, like, shipping and collecting. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely my favorite format.
1: Yeah. what's your favorite format like is it your favorite format to listen to um okay
2: no it's not i mean i think if i am listening to the releases that i'm putting on tape yes that's the preferred way because a lot of stuff like raw black metal and dungeon just sounds so good on tape oh most definitely but, yeah but it's not like super convenient in my life to just throw a tape on
1: yeah i've been having trouble finding a tape deck for my uh camaro it's not out there anymore
2: you gotta figure out how to and i feel like there was already way to do this to get to rip tapes to to the laptop i know i know you can't do it i just i want to do it i just know it's gonna take forever
0: oh yeah there's an adapter for it somewhere i'm sure yeah and then you
1: just have to like play it through at normal speed i would imagine eh yeah just like i just
2: i don't even want to tell you how many tapes i have to do that for
0: yeah, that would be quite a few. So, how many bands do you have on your label? Right, well, if you don't know the exact number, just roughly, because I scrolled for um, like forever on your Bandcamp, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of releases on here.
2: That's a great question. Um, so, I don't like have bands on the label because I don't sign bands. It's just like for release basis. But I mean, I want to say maybe I work with like 150 different artists, maybe. Wow. Yeah
0: and what year did you start the label in this uh, 2022 in like may oh shit that's like a, a huge catalog in a short amount of Fuck time yeah,
2: yeah, i feel like that's not a great thing but it it happened
0: no i mean like it from what i've seen like uh I didn't get to really much of the Dungeon Synth stuff. I checked out most of the Black Metal and then got to... I started getting to Dungeon Synth, but then I was getting busy in the store and had to put my phone down. But uh, my friend that I mentioned earlier that has the El project, like he got me into Dungeon Synth. Because before that, I had no idea what the hell it was. I, like When he brought that t- to my store, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like... He's like, you ever listen to Dungeon Synth? And I'm like, what? And, uh, like, my thought immediately was like Lord of the Rings music, because that's just what I thought of. And he's like, that's Yeah, that, he's place. like, that pretty much, you know, kind of sums it up simply, at least. And then I started seeing stores that have dungeon synth sections and, like, seeing the popularity of it grow. So it's really cool. But how did you decide to do black metal and dungeon synth did it just kind of happen or when you started the label were you going into it like i'm gonna do black metal bands and dungeon synth bands
2: i did not go into this for dungeon synth like not even a small percentage of me was aware i was just gonna do like atmospheric black metal and folk metal and crust and stuff that's kind of my thing like personally especially Black Thrash. And then Dungeon since just kind of happened. And then I saw like how cute some of the stuff was and Comfy Sims is great. And it's just a um, really inviting genre where a lot of people who don't feel comfortable in black metal can, you know, express themselves in a bit of a safer space, which is, I mean, the bar is so low, but um, just the community itself is really wonderful and open. So they made me feel really welcome. And I've made a lot of friends, and through that, met a lot of incredible artists, and hopefully given them an outlet, and I mean, they've let me release their stuff, so it just happened kind of naturally. I definitely did not not go into this, even knowing what Dungeon Synth was.
1: Well, how did you get into um, black metal and, and extreme music in the first place?
2: Um, well, I was into crust and punk in high school, and then I had an internship at, at Eric, which is kind of like at the starting point for it and i went to like black thrush first and then into more black metal but um the the eric experience was probably like the most formative part of my journey
1: let's talk about that you were a uh, what pr for eric
2: yeah there so there wasn't a u.s pr person that the person had left and they kind of left abruptly and no one had touched anything for months. So I came in as a PR intern, but it was it was a full time job. Um just walked into it blind. I mean, I went to my undergrad is in PR. So I, you know, had some experience and but I just went into it blind and I had to learn everything on the go, which was It was just really like
1: a labor incredible. of love then, really. You weren't getting paid, right?
2: Oh no, not not a penny. Um Living the Dream wanted me to stay on too but i i needed to get paid
1: yeah you got to eat
2: yeah it's a lot but they did have uh like an open tab everywhere which was nice
0: oh that would be sweet
2: that was a small form of payment but not the kind of payment that i needed
0: (laughs) right right yeah you can't
1: pay So you kind of went yeah you started with like you said punk rock and then kind of morphed into the the black metal, which I totally see that path. That's like a a
0: pretty black metal's the punk rock of the metal right, community.
2: right. Yeah, it's like the Wolf Brigade to Wolf Pack to Dark Throne Pipeline. Yep,
0: yeah. yep. Perfectly said. So yeah. as PR for Earache, what did you do there? Because there, that was a a while ago. So when was I'm trying to think of like where their they're huge so... start was. Like, we're was wrong. it in the nineties yeah. when you were doing it?
2: no okay. i'm only 34 okay. um
0: well i knew that i just like i was like shit maybe she was like you know super young no, i guess was i okay. should have said 2000 so, yeah, super 90s. young She'd be like six <laughs> sorry my No, I was 19... my math was not mathing it
2: was not mathing um wormrot had a new album out that was huge um so my friend was from toronto area and he introduced me to Woods and and then I told the, um, the A&R Gray Alley about them. And I was like, hey, this band is so good. They don't have a label. They want to tour North America, like in the United States. So we made that happen. They released Woods 4, and then we were working on Woods 5. And that was a big project. Um, I was there for all the Morbid Angel reissues and some of the Carcass ones. I mean, it's, it's all like all the best stuff is just the reissues. But in terms of new stuff that was coming out um Wormat was the big one there was a band called Rival Sons there was um, Oceano or something
0: Yeah, I remember that band
2: There is some another that gets through I mean it was it was a while but the stuff that was coming out it was like a lot of metalcore that I, I didn't personally like Oh there um, uh, Serpent serpentine Past, Does that sound familiar?
0: Serpentine offering maybe Oh,
2: Cerebral Boar from Scotland. They were really cool. Oh,
0: yeah. There was a girl singer that totally did not sound like a girl.
2: So they they came to visit, and we had some recent robberies at drugstores on Long Island. So they wandered into a drugstore at like 2 in the morning after being out with um, our our person and his wife, who is pregnant. And they were wandering in the drugstore, just wandering around. And they ended up getting arrested. Because they were looking for this this robber or whatever, so they threw all of them in the tombs, including the pregnant wife. And who said she used a sandwich as a pillow? But they all got thrown in jail. And I showed up the next day, and no one else was there. So that was an experience.
0: Didn't they?
2: thought only... about that.
0: No, I, I like hearing stories about yeah, that stuff. Yeah, that's fucking gnarly. Uh, they only did like one album, didn't they? cerebral bore
2: I don't remember anything after that but I remember writing an email jokingly saying that I don't like death metal and then Digby read it and I got in trouble (laughs) yeah they were good
0: yeah I've uh I've showed people that band a few times because people always talk about like arch enemy as far as like heavy female singers go and I'm like listen to this band and they're like that's not that's not a woman I'm like yeah it is like you look her up and you pull her up on like Metal Archives or Metal Encyclopedia, and you're like, "See, I don't remember what her name was, but like Year of the ninth nice female vocals. It's like super, super low guttural. It's like it's heavy as fuck. Yeah, when
1: it, I like when I like when you can like you can still tell it's a chick sometimes, like you know? with Arch Enemy,
0: you know. But not like I don't know. <laughs> I get I get what you're saying.
2: No, that's that's not a bad thing.
0: Oh, so as PR for your you basically, like, if for people who don't know what PR does, like, what at all did that internship consist of?
2: Um, so setting out press releases, pitching partnerships with, like, guitar sponsorships, stuff like that, doing giveaways, getting print reviews, um, sending copies to writers, uh, doing press for tour, local tour stops um, answering any questions that writers have, securing premieres, track streams, stuff like that, um, setting up interviews and pieces and magazines. That was a big part of it. And, um, you know, just like making sure that the album campaigns are in order. It's just, I mean, it's a lot.
0: Did you by chance get like free, uh, tickets and stuff to shows for earache bands?
2: Yes, I did. Death Which was, yeah, was nice. I think I like did merch at one or two of them, so that was that was pretty cool.
0: You said you didn't really care for death metal. Were there any bands on the label that you did really enjoy? Because a lot of it is a lot of death metal.
2: Um, I I too like Wormrot because uh, they're just lovely. Woodsy E. Perry obviously. Uh, other than that, I mean, I I enjoy Carcass very much. That's about it
0: earlier carcass or later carcass i have to ask because they sound like two totally different bands
2: like heartwork carcass
0: okay that's the carcass i like we did we'll okay. talk, we had that conversation yeah, at a, one point earlier carcass dude
2: this comes up in every interview which is fine
0: really but
2: yeah my, my brother is obsessed with swan song and i'm like why there are so many others to choose from and then people get upset
0: i like swan, i like swan <laughs> song too people but heart upset. Heartworks better
2: well, that's two people who like Swan Song that I know.
0: Yeah, I guess now that I think about it, people do trash that record a lot. But I think it's because of the dumb album cover. Like, yeah, I don't know. The album itself is good. Sure, I'm just
2: not going to say it's it to
0: It's like how people love Dissection, Storm of the Lights Bane, and then Trash, Ryan Koss, when they're both great records.
2: Yeah, I've never even listened to Dissection, which is, like, pathetic.
0: They're, uh... It's just melodic black metal. I mean, I'm sure you're at least familiar with who they are. Uh, But back to you, because I'll get off topic. Melodic death metal. I'll get real melodic black metal, sorry. Death metal.
1: Dissection's totally black metal. Death. I think I'd put them in a death metal. We'll talk about that
0: later. Um, (laughs) I guess they could blend between both. We'll call it black and death or whatever they call it now. But anyways, going back. So as a PR for Eric, like going forward to your own labels, like I'm assuming that was a a big help for you on how to run the stuff that you were doing independently.
2: Well, that was one of the reasons why I I thought I could run a label. Um, And I also did PR for other labels, um, some other big labels, and for in-house agencies that work with some mainstream artists. So I figured with that experience that I could do it. Um, one of my colleagues also started his own label around the same time. Yeah, and I was like, oh, hey, I could also do this, but I could, like, actually help the bands instead of sitting on, like, a dusty pile of demos. Like, with Eric, they're all in a corner. Going years back, no one had ever listened to them, so I would just take them home and I would listen to them. But obviously, like, the bands were usually long gone. But yeah, it, it's been very helpful knowing, you know, having those relationships with writers and... Um, they, they, like, bounce around from publication to publication, but a lot of the same people are still at it.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It seems like once you get into that business, like, most people try their best not to have to get out of it.
2: I, did, I mean, I, I definitely did get out of it, but it was easier. It made it easier to come back in, for sure.
0: Right. Especially having the knowledge to... Because you, I assume, have to do, like, your own promotion and that sort of thing, because... You don't have a major label budget to pay a million dollars promo costs or whatever, you know, the ridiculous amounts that they pay. So Yeah, like, my goal falls is on is
2: zero dollars. That's <laughs> my goal to never spend an advertising dollar.
0: So you just put in all the hard work yourself then?
2: Yeah, sometimes it sucks, but it feels good to do it myself.
0: Yeah, and plus, like, watching it grow, like, you know that you authentically let it grow. You weren't, like paying this person and that person to contact here and there for you
2: i mean it'd be nice but yeah right. no i can't afford payola well,
0: yeah that shit's expensive man like paid ads are pricey oh yeah they can be cheap if you're doing exactly. tiny little ones on instagram and stuff but like paying like anything you got buy. into contract with or whatever i got like, a no, i
1: got a good story for you after this about that all <laughs> right it has to do with one of my brothers so you know it's gonna be
0: ridiculous you said that a couple of the bands that you worked with went on to go to century media um who were those bands
2: um i'll give you one uh one was VetNet viscar which was a dance band um so we did it my first very first record was a 10-inch lp which is so stupid i don't know what i was thinking and i didn't know what i was doing and i tell this all the time So no one makes my mistakes. I didn't charge shipping on Bandcamp. So like international shipping. So that was a learning experience. Always make sure that you fill in all of the shipping areas or else you'll get fucked. Um,
1: Duly noted.
2: Yes. They went on to sign like a four album deal with Century Media. And I think Century Media gave them a van. And that was that. Yeah. I haven't really looked them up since. I think they changed their name, but I... Yeah, I always, I knew that that's what they wanted, so, like, it, you know, it wasn't a big deal at all.
1: And, like, their bonus was a van? That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, like, they really wanted the tour, and I, I think that was, like, a major issue, so.
0: Yeah, that's always a major yeah. issue. Like, a lot of the yeah. bands that we interview, are they tour, like, the state? and maybe like the state below but anything past that they're like we don't have a van like we don't have the money to fly there and back at our expense. we have fucking jobs families yeah, like, like they got lives that they gotta yeah we can't just this go on a six-week tour they wanted
2: to do this for a living which is admirable like they just wanted to do this which is also crazy but yeah obviously you're gonna need a big label for that
0: Touring's pretty much the way that you have to go though if you want to do it for a living like there's not really a a way outside of that because that's where you're gonna make all your money and And you better better hope you don't have a huge band to split it up between like nine people or something
1: yeah like haul your own gear and shit
2: i can't even like i feel like if you're an independent band touring i can't even imagine like making money i feel like with when you have a major label paying those expenses like Maybe you'll see some of it, but I feel like it's definitely really difficult if you're just doing it or not through, like, a booking agency.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because if you get that, like, food and gas per diem and stuff, like, from the label, that helps out drastically. They pay that shit for some people, some labels do? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: my my ex had a sponsorship from Taco Bell on a big metal label, which was incredible.
0: I've actually I just literally seen a commercial yesterday of like some musicians that were like hey when we're on the road we eat Taco Bell and I was like oh wow I always always knew they did but I was like I never seen like them I I thought it was fucked
1: up when I saw like skateboarders getting sponsored by Mountain Dew and now it's like singer singers and Taco Bell man shit man we're missing out
2: I'm just jealous
1: yeah
0: free fucking Taco (laughs) Bell man come on
2: yeah, they had like Taco Bell dollars that they could spend
0: anywhere oh. they wanted. Oh, that would be cool, but at the same time, I would I would get tired of Taco Bell.
2: I would not get tired of it ever, but I, I mean, I'm saying
1: that it'd be hard to get for me to get tired of it. To be honest, but it's incredibly unhealthy, so my mind would tell me not to do it.
2: I feel like it's not that bad if you're like ordering smart. I feel like it could. It doesn't
0: have to be that unhealthy. I mean, I had it yesterday. So i <laughs> oh. I haven't eaten Taco Bell in two or three years. Wow, I had it last week. Why? I don't know. I just haven't. I, like, I don't have anything against it or anything. I, I just end up making my own tacos. Or we have this Mexican restaurant behind my record store that's really good. So I eat there all the time.
2: I mean, I can't knock it, especially if it's good, authentic food.
0: Yeah, they're uh, oh, it's way better, and it's to way eat better. There and it's not sure. that expensive. Like that's you know?
1: true too. It's like pretty much you're gonna pay about the same price if you do go to Taco Bell. Yeah,
0: I can vouch for that. It's funny how
2: it's more expensive.
0: Oh yeah, all fast food places are. It's funny how one little thing leads to other random little tangents. This is what podcasts are for. <laughs> oh, you're talking about how we got to Taco Bell? <laughs> yeah important. Uh, But so earlier on, well, actually, before I get to this, so your label does a lot of um, animal rights, donations, charity work, that sort of thing, because that's what you do for your day to day job, correct?
2: Yeah, that's pretty much the whole point of the label is to raise money and awareness for animal rights and animal welfare and animal rescue. So I've been working pretty closely with uh, Heartstone Sanctuary in Ireland, in uh, in Sligo, which is run by just one person, and it's um, rescued farmed animals. So there are cows there, um, there are sheep and horses. She has dogs and cats, and so you know some of the cows are there's a blind cow, with special needs, and there is no other place like it for animals that are used for food. And um, her location is actually sinking due to climate change. Mm-hmm. She needs to find uh, a new a new farm. So we've been trying to support her as much as we can. There is uh, another I know um, a Apo- witchcraft did a really good compilation to help, and some other artists are are helping. But you know it's it's a huge undertaking. So we're just trying to chip away at it, and just get her all the support that she needs.
0: So do you take, like, a portion of your sales from the label and just donate that over? How does that work?
2: So all of the revenue from merch goes there. Okay. Um, unless the – sometimes uh, when we do digital donations, um, so we don't d- take digital, but when we do, it's for the charity of the artist's choice, and uh, so that goes to whoever they want. Sometimes it's Heartstone, sometimes it's not, which is totally fine. Um, we, we just got some cleaning supplies for a local uh, dog and cat shelter from, uh, a release from a different artist. So it really depends, but, um, there, there isn't really any profit from stuff to donate from like music, physical stuff, because I'm doing small runs. It just gets reinvested, but, um, all the merch, which is where I'm finding that you're really getting that profit, um. That that's what makes the big difference with donations,
0: and that's like T-shirts and stuff like that, patches, yeah, stickers. Yeah,
2: T-shirts
0: and patches and stuff. Okay, that's cool.
2: Yeah, I'm always trying to think of new stuff to do, so I'm trying to come up with some other some other items.
0: Now, plus, it kind of like adds a, a certain aesthetic to your label. Like when um, when we did Blast Beats, and he mentioned the be kind to animals listen to black metal shirts because he uh mentioned the label but like i said like he was my introduction so i was writing stuff down and he mentioned the shirts and then me and jeremy were both like oh i've seen those
2: oh that's awesome we've donated like three euro just from sales of that shirt so far which is that's uh, fucking which is awesome
1: amazing. yeah that is yeah
2: awesome. and the the artist um Uh, who did it, Will, he didn't want any payment either. So I've been like sending him merch and stuff, but um, he was so generous donating his talent to that. And then Sage from Forest Passage is doing the printing and he didn't charge me shipping. He's the the best there is in the business in terms of like printing merch. Um, So everyone is like, whenever they learn about this place and they look at her Instagram, they just want to help because it's so obvious like how much they need help if you just like read one of her posts even um Weldon Will, like he donated personally yesterday after like seeing something so everyone is really coming together to help out which is incredible
0: Yeah that's awesome I've actually been talking with Jeff a little bit back and forth we're interviewing him in a couple weeks too
2: Yeah he said if you don't mention Castle Metal, he's not coming on <laughs>
0: Well, I think it was like I told him we already did obsequiae and majesties, and he was like, "Oh, sweet."
2: Yeah, that's all really, you need. You you got him roped in.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but he seems like a really cool guy, and he said that yeah. you are his favorite person so sweet, in the world.
2: Oh my god, that's so sweet. He's such a nice guy, a dog dad, a great husband, a great musician. Um, and he's selling books now, like fantasy books. He does book reviews on TikTok, which is great. It's uh, Bloodfire Jeff. Um, he's just a real sweetheart super super talented his other band by fire and sword is on no remorse they put out an album called glory last year which is it's really fucking weird but it's good it's really good it's like epic power metal but it has this like weird creepy religious cult concept um and we put out a carol uh on tuesday to raise money for heartstone and it's really catchy but i recommend checking out his other band as well
0: um i actually already did because i seen that that carol posted around it's like so yesterday good. it had
2: no right to go as hard as it does
0: <laughs> yeah um, he seemed idiot. like a really cool guy from what i talked to him so i'm looking forward oh. to getting to pick his brain a little bit more
2: yeah you're gonna have a good time with him
0: um so leading into your you said you were in a bagpipe band earlier was that what you said
2: yeah um my mom plays the bagpipes and i'm a drummer so Okay. Uh, we've been in a band together for like 18 years, on and off. Um, right now, we're in the New York City Department of Corrections band, and we also play Inishvada and some other stuff. But we uh, we used to lead the New York City St. Patrick's Day parade. Now we're like we're near the front, but I wasn't able to do it last year because I was pregnant again. So because I and then the year before that I wasn't able to do it, but this. This year, um, I'm really looking forward to getting back on the street and doing some parades.
1: You said you do the uh, Department of Corrections. You play with prisoners or for prisoners?
2: Um, it's just like every municipal department of the of New York City has a bagpipe band. Like,
1: oh, I got you.
2: Yeah, like neither of us are related to any of that. But um, they like they fund bands like FDNY, NYPD. They all have different bands.
1: Yeah, for each precinct or whatever yeah that's fucking a, that's like a job i never would have thought of yeah not just, where we're from I you was know.
0: just taking that all in there's <laughs> you know? a, a of awesome.
2: bands from the south that are um coming up because you know there are competitions all over north america especially in canada because that's where like the main association is um in toronto so there are tons of bands from the south now that are like popping up there's like a, a great band dc um there is a Southern band that did really well at the Worlds recently. I forgot the name, but you'd be surprised that there there's probably a bagpipe band near you that you don't even realize.
0: I just seen uh what was it Flatfoot fifty six. I was at a concert and Where they were they were opening for somebody and uh they have a bagpipe player. And it's yeah, just I haven't like I hadn't either. But they opened for like Coffin Cats and one of my friends' bands that was playing. And
2: wait, you saw the Coffin Cats? That's yeah. it was a former part of my teenage years.
0: Oh yeah, I've seen Coffin Cats like probably 10, 15 times.
2: Were were drugs involved? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> uh,
0: probably, but yeah, they uh, they actually like all quit drinking now. They're like all stone cold sober, as far as I know but they're still is, just as wild God, dude they're otherwise it wouldn't wild be a fucking show. they wouldn't still Good. be Happy playing be
2: no I I love uh Rockabilly and Sacred Billy so um I have have a bunch of Tiger Army tattoos some of which are getting have gotten covered up but that was also a part of my early years
0: love, yeah I love, I love Tiger, Tiger Army, Army too Uh, But my friend was in a rockabilly psychobilly type band. It was like it was kind of like horror punk psychobilly called the Gutter Ghouls, and uh, they played with like Coffin Cats all the time just because of the matchup. But they did a reunion show, so I went to that, and then Flatfoot was there, and I was like, I had never I've seen bagpipes live, but I've never like seen a punk band play one like in a small bar live. And yeah, they, so, and they miked it and i'm like man you guys probably yeah. could have just done this without a mic it was so loud you we
2: never, we never mic pipes unless you're in like an open auditorium or something like that like a major stage we we actually get paid to play in like in bars after sometimes you don't get paid but it's a big part of like the the culture and um yeah you do not need a mic in a bar that is the last thing you need
0: yeah it was uh It was pretty, like, I went towards, like, the back of the bar because I was like, man, I can't do this. I'm too close to the PA. Like, this is killing me. But I was like, you could have gotten away with just doing it without it. But I guess not every sound person takes that into consideration. They're just like, I got them like this, this, and this. This has sound. This has sound. We're good to go. Yeah,
2: I'm, like, horrified to hear that
0: that happened to you. It was was rough.
1: Have you seen Tiger Army before live?
2: The better question is how many times. Okay. I time my life?
1: Oh, I just, I yeah. was just curious. What did you think of um, Nick 13?
2: I used to have the biggest crush on him when I was like 13 or 14. Um, I like his, I liked his solo stuff. Like the first album I heard. Um, yeah. I mean, he has a great voice and I know like a lot of people compare their early stuff to AFI, which who I never really listened to, but I mean, it's been cool to see his progression from like that, early popular stuff into more country and yeah, i think he like we it.
1: both dig it i just um i saw him one time and he seemed kind of like like a like a princess i guess
2: oh yeah he,
1: <laughs>
0: he is the princess yeah, and I was like damn
2: dude i mean look at him he's like I he's a I diva never,
0: i never heard them compared to afi but with the voice well they I were they both
1: like jumped on each other's records back in the day like um, Davy Havoc always has a song on, and then Nick Thirteen's on a song on up until some point. No, oh, yeah, that I I fucking I love that band.
2: Yeah, I I have uh, more than three Tiger Army tattoos.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't have any, but
2: just a it a lot for one person. But
0: um, <laughs> yeah, nah, I never got sure. to see Tiger Army. Are they they still they're not together? Are they? I think so. Are they? I thought it's he was so yeah. at this point.
2: No, they're still playing because every time they come nearby, my husband will send me a thing and be like, Do you finally want to go see them again after all this time? I think he sent me s they're playing like very recently and I was just I just did not have the energy to do it.
0: Yeah, they've been, I didn't even think they were together anymore. But it's been a while it's since I looked. So.
2: And they do that what is it, the their Halloween show? October Flame. They're still doing that?
0: Oh right on.
1: Yeah, they I love like yeah. They have fucking badass fucking ballots and they're fast shit. We can go on a fucking Tiger Army podcast sometime, but I'll just stop yeah, right I, now. I
2: went to October Flame. I actually went to California to see them. And it was a whole thing, I like met my biological grandma in a trailer park. It was like a whole it was a whole experience. Damn. But yeah. Good and times. Like,
1: with a soundtrack in the background is Tiger Army. You're meeting your grandma in it a trailer park. It's <laughs> fucking <laughs> sick, dude. Amazing. I think
2: we saw them like two or three nights in a row. It was the first time I had Del Taco. It was in Anaheim, yeah. And yeah, Del Taco was great. It was like thirty-nine cents for a taco at two a.m. And I was like, "This is the life." I've this never is the life had Del
0: Taco. I've always heard people talk about it. I can't yeah. say I, I have either. It
2: was great at three a.m. when I only had a dollar.
0: Yeah, I mean, Shit, arguably, yeah. like pretty much any taco is gonna be good at three a.m. At thirty-nine cents. Yeah.
2: It's definitely not the really United sense anymore, but, I mean, I wish it was. But, yeah, other than <laughs> that, I do not like California, for the record. I'm so sorry.
1: I've never been there. Yeah, I can't so. say I've
0: never been there, but um, yeah, I, I don't have any ambition there. to go either. Yeah. Don't
2: bother. Not worth it. Just...
0: I mean, like I feel like a lot of East Coast people <laughs> like are like, uh, yeah, we'll stay on the East Coast. It's a nice place to go check out, but I wouldn't live there.
2: Yeah, uh, I went, I saw... I'm good.
0: <laughs> Word. That's probably where I'll be at with it. I'll go see it at some point. But as far as it being on my wish list of things to do, it's not up there.
2: It's not like a, I mean, it. there is great stuff going on there with black with like agriculture and stuff. But like, other than that, yeah.
0: I just feel like there's like way more shit that I would rather check out.
2: Yeah. I mean, everything, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in both Portland's that's like way more exciting. Yeah. And Like Chicago and stuff like
0: that. I agree. Um, One more question I I had. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
2: No, just say. Notice how I didn't mention my own state because nothing happens here.
0: In New York, nothing happens.
2: Literally
0: nothing. I find that hard to believe, but I guess you guys do have like a lot of just Wall Street type of stuff there. And do you have?
2: Just great if you want to drag your ass to Greenpoint. It's it's like such. I hate. I hate traveling there.
0: Do you have,
1: like, a 24-hour supermarket anywhere?
0: <laughs> I know why you're asking that question, but that seems like such a random question. Well, it's I'm just called
2: f- a bodega, by the way. It's not a supermarket. We do have bodegas, yes. And, I like, I hate going there because the last time I ate after a show, they gave me raw fries to the bodega. And, like, I have not recovered. But is it, it 24
1: was, hours? Yeah. Oh, okay. So,
2: yeah, it was, like, 3 in the morning. But the fries weren't even cooked. And I, like... I still the texture it stays with me.
1: So that's and, it for fries you're done?
2: Yeah, actually that and like Greenpoint and St. Vitus in general the fry incident just burned it for me.
0: Man, you got yeah, yeah, to be a cold ass. Yeah, I made fries for you. Yeah, dude. That's, you were raw. That's raw I like, am like, saying that's know. that's how like the audacity of the bodega is I'm going to I'm gonna be real
1: I'm going to be real with you though. Like um there's a lot of Polish people in this area and I'm like a quarter Irish so eating raw potatoes is all good. I fucking okay. my I used to raw potatoes. Like I am good. I can do it.
2: Yeah, I'm Irish and I was not okay with it. You know why? Cuz he made me wait. I waited outside for like 25 minutes and they were raw. So I think it's the combination of like making Well yeah, me and wait. they were
1: like frozen at one point I'd imagine, eh? Hey?
2: Yeah. yeah. So I think it was just the audacity.
0: <laughs> the audacity. I yeah. Especially when yeah. it's that early in the morning and you're like, damn, I really yeah, I'm looking forward starving. to these fries. Yeah. The
2: only thing that was open, so it was like absolute bullshit.
0: Yeah, that's a bad ending to a night.
2: Yeah, not a good experience. But I didn't mean to go off on the tangent. I apologize.
0: Oh, it's cool. We do it all the time. Whether it's food or Batman or music or whatever, yeah, it Batman. happens. <laughs> we just did I Batman know, I know. like just last episode. We we mentioned one thing about Batman, and 20 minutes later, we're like, okay, we got to get off Batman. <laughs> That's how it
2: happened.
0: Um, but before we like get to starting to wrap things up here, um, one question I did want to ask, going back to like when I did ask if you got concert tickets for from Earache when you worked there, like what were some of the favorite shows that you got to see at that time?
2: Um, I mean, seeing Lizzie, You Pray live. Always is an amazing experience that I think a lot of people um, never got the chance to. So I'm very fortunate to have have known them and seen them live. Um, I mean, that was just so significant and special to me. Just being able to like bring them to New York was the coolest thing ever. Um, and just seeing them live was I can go on. Um, so that was cool. Honest, nothing else really stands out to be honest.
0: I mean if you were you like helped bring them there, like I'd be all about the show too. And you were already a fan pre like pre existing to that. So I sell yeah, records it, for bands that I love and I get excited about that. So if I brought a band to play a show somewhere, I could only imagine the excitement yeah, there.
2: So amazing and David was really ambitious about touring. So it was just a great feeling.
0: Well, before we wrap things up, like I I mentioned this question to you before, and uh, you brought up the the bagpipe band. But what is something that you listen to that people would not expect you to listen to? And we always yeah. ask people this question just to see what all types of random music they're into.
2: I listen to a lot of Handel um, during work, and also uh, the baby likes it. And it's especially Messiah. It's just really beautiful i never get tired of of hearing passages from that um very like emotional for me but yeah i usually have Handel or bach or just some baroque in the background um yeah lots of classical not not in like a snobby way just because it helps me um focus and that's that that's my original musical background so yeah a lot that's mostly what i listen to
0: here to be continued what's up with that now i like i like that stuff like i'm not like uh very fluent in it but like piano is my favorite instrument so like hearing a lot of that those old classical compositions like i like them and when i was in elementary school there was a girl in my class whose mom was a classical composer and she exclusively like for our class brought in and taught us composition for like half a year or something like that so we got to learn like all about like Tchaikovsky and all that different stuff from that era
2: oh that's really cool yeah um I'm like kind of a stickler for like baroque stuff just the instrumentation for me um I really enjoy like harpsichord and stuff like that um like the heavier a more like romantic stuff is great but I feel like if you're, like, passively listening, it's um, it's just, like, easier to have some of, like, the earlier classical stuff, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I listen to jazz a lot while I'm reading because I don't have to pay attention to words.
2: I mean, I've, I've never listened to jazz while I'm reading. I feel like that's two jobs. Why would you want to have two jobs at the same time?
0: I don't know. I can do both simultaneously. It ain't that bad. That's very impressive. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm more impressed by the people that are like blaring morbid angel and like reading a book and I'm like, man, I can't concentrate on both at the same See, time. Like I, it's too much.
1: I can do that, yeah. but I can't I can't do the other. You can't do jazz? And read?
0: Really? Uh uh-uh. uh. Wow. Yeah, that's I never a, that's a I never thought but of it, that as being like something. Because it's like I it's like um the the absorption. It's like hard.
1: I mean, I'm either going to have to listen to the record again without reading or I'm going to have to read what, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I do it at the same same time, time. I'm just going to
0: like waste time. Yeah. It'll work against each other. Right. Like my brain brain. doesn't work that way. I I got it. I guess it, mine, it helps it like keep it one track, I guess.
2: That just has to
0: show you how people's brains work differently though. True. Yeah.
2: That's fascinating.
1: We've been trying to get a psychologist on actually. Shout out to anybody who is a psychologist. We would like to talk to you about music and the brain.
2: <laughs> oh, I can help you with that um, after the show if you want.
0: That would be fucking amazing. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah I, I, think
2: have... I know someone who might who might do it.
0: I have two books. Like One is called uh, Music and How It Affects the Brain. I can't remember the author of that one. And another one is Musicophilia. And uh, they're both like psychology and music. And I've always thought it was incredibly interesting like the different ways that frequencies react with your brain and stuff and like i just... think
2: this person would be perfect if they agree i'll, I'll talk to them
0: okay yeah, yeah that, that would, would be, be awesome awesome yeah oh you one. because around here we don't have we live in like a small city that's just kind of like blue collar and i guess like... nobody's qualified <laughs> yeah <they're laughs> Straight like up. That was what i was heading but towards
2: this, this person is from appalachia so similar
0: from the, like, the mountains, Appalachia? I think so. Oh. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. Like, they can no, have I don't, I'm just Ivy League schools there for all I know. I didn't go there. I think so. Um, yeah, I think
2: it'll be good.
0: Yeah, definitely reach out. Like, that would be awesome because I think it's a really interesting topic. And it's more that I would like to learn about from somebody that's, like, qualified to talk about it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'll I'll get you that info.
0: Cool. Um, But before we wrap things up here, um, like, one, do you have anything that you want to get off as far as social media plugs or, like, upcoming uh, releases and announcements or anything like that?
2: Um, I do have the compilation for Hearthstone coming up. Uh, We did one last year for Transformer Street Dog, which did really well. So we're going to have that in the spring. I'm not sure the date, but I will let you know. Um, I guess just see what local animal rescues and shelters in your community need right now. Um, It's really cold out there. So if you see a dog that's outside, always try and do something. If you can just call authorities or even try and talk to the person, ask them to bring the dog inside, um, you could like save lives like that. So I think that's, I just wanna leave with that. If you see a dog outside during this cold weather, um, please do something and you know, don't be afraid. They, they really need us.
1: That's how I ended up with uh, my cat, one of my cats, actually. It was like living in the front yard, and then we started feeding it, and then we were going to take it to the Humane Society, and they were like, um, we can't take it. And then I'm like, well, we have a new cat.
2: <laughs> that's how the best relationships start. Thank you for doing that.
1: Oh, yeah, it's fucking, that's my homegirl now.
0: Oh, what's your cat's name Laverne okay because I had Shirley. your dog had a really cool name so I didn't know if you had like a really like just Laverne cool name. and Shirley like, yeah. I, I
2: gotta see a picture of the cat oh, later okay.
0: yeah I showed you Sabbath so Jeremy's your turn oh, to show yeah. pets but anyways Barry and um I just want to thank you for taking the time to jump on here and talk about you and your label and everything that you do
2: yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me and taking the time to feature some underground artists and labels. Um, we appreciate you. So thank you.
0: I'll have um links to all your social media stuff and everything in our episode description, your band camp and all that stuff. And then anything like charity wise that you want me to put in there, send it to me and I'll include all that as well.
2: Will do. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. It was cool getting to talk to you and enjoy your night. Yeah, I appreciate all you do.
2: You got it.